Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Navigating the Waters. And I'm joined again by our fabulous host, Stephanie McKinney. Welcome. Hello, thank you for joining. I appreciate it. Oh, no, I love it. I'm so enjoying the series because there's so much that needs to be understood when it comes to investment. And as we know, there is such a disparity between the amount of money that goes to female-led, female-founded or female investors. So it's great that you are providing this resource and service. And I'm just grateful you're letting me come along and learn. No, thank you. Anybody who wants to learn who is a female or an early starter in their career trying to build their business, this is definitely a podcast that you want to stay tuned to and subscribe because we are going to break it down to the nitty gritty so you can understand the process while you're going through it. So I really appreciate it. And I really hope that everyone learns a lot. And if you have any questions, please feel free to to answer them below, to email me directly. I would be happy and honored to answer any questions. Fabulous. And obviously, we'll make sure that all the ways of contacting us are available in the notes below. But what I love about the way we're going to bring this podcast together is that we're taking it through step by step and really breaking down some of those things. Because I know when I first got involved and got started, you don't really know where to go. And everybody throws the odd word at you or or says something and you don't want to admit that you don't really know what they're talking about. Um, and I, I always um, share this story. I hope you don't mind me sharing it here. I always share this story of being uh, in a meeting once where something similar was happening. People were throwing around all of these like bits of jargon. And I remember saying to this, this board meeting, I think our problem is we just need a few more TLAs. And everybody nodded at me and they were like, yes, Kim, brilliant. And I was like, should I take that as an action for somebody? And they were like, yeah. And then we carried on and I was like, who'd like the action of the TLAs? And this one little hand eventually went up and somebody went, I don't know what a TLA is, Kim. Brilliant. Thank you for being brave enough to ask. It stands for a three-letter acronym. There isn't a single person in this room that knows what they're talking about because you're all throwing three-letter acronyms at each other and I work in financial services. So you take T and C as an example, it could be training and competence, or it could be terms and conditions. Both are viable, both are regulatory, and both are true. But dependent on which one of you is saying it depends on what you're actually talking about. So when it comes to demystifying, one of the really important things is that we understand what's being asked, isn't it? And I know that that's what today's episode is going to start to delve into, isn't it? Helping us to understand what are they actually meaning when they throw these terms at us? Exactly. Um, I think a lot of people have been in that meeting that you just talked about where they're too afraid or they don't want to, or they're already in so deep that they can't ask that question of what's an MVP? What does that mean? What's an AAR? What, what do we need to learn? And I think this is going to definitely dive into those terminology to make sure that you're up against it with the tools and criteria that you need and you're able to follow through. And that person that asked the question, to have that gumption and that passion to be able to sit there and say, I don't know what this means. And it's very hard when you're asking people for money to be able to say, what do you mean by this? What what kind of representation do you want me to show you? So having that, that passion is what Navigating That Waters is trying to bring out of people by providing them with the tools and terminology to be successful. I love it because it, you're right. 
And when we when we know what's being asked of us, it gives us more confidence to have the gumption to get in front of those people, doesn't it? And to have those conversations. So when we start thinking about the terminology, where's best to get started on what is it we need to know? Well, first, you need to know where your company is. I think that is a huge part. And we're going to dive into that section a lot more in a later episode. But um, the terminology is just, it's all out there. Um, I would love to break it down for you, uh, depending on where you are in your stages, where you're going to hear a lot of this terminology. So knowing where you are, if you're a pre-seed, a pre-revenue, if you're just starting out, if you have already learned it, then that will determine a lot on what kind of terms you hear. Okay, so so let's uh, assume I'm pre-seed, I'm just getting started, um, and I don't know what I don't know, <laughs> which, which feels like me most of the time. <laughs> What might be some of the first things that I'm going to come across that I might not have heard of before? Right. A lot of the terminology that people hear in their early stages are angel investors. You want angel investors on your team, especially in an early startup. But what does who is an angel investor? What does that mean? So an angel investor is someone who invests small amounts of money in startups and they are your person that you can call, your person that may turn into your advisor on your board. There are are accredited investors, which means that that person knows, and in the US at least, knows that they're making this huge investment in a company that only 70% of startups succeed. So a credit investor has to have the income of 200K for the past two years, or them and their spouse, 300K for the past two years, or a... um, a minimum net worth of a million dollars. So your angel investors are the people that you really want to to break down, to be invested fully, not just financially. I love that. So so as an angel investor, you, you get almost the added benefit of that advisory capacity as well. So they're able to support you, not just financially, but they've kind of walked your walk and talked your talk. So they'll be able to show you the way. Yes, they're your your midnight call, like, oh, I had this brilliant idea. What do you think? They're more than just financially invested. A lot of people bring their area of expertise into the company itself through angel investing. But those people are typically seen in the early onset of the incubation period of your company. So your your pre-seed and your seed. So what is a pre-seed? It is when you have the idea. Pardon? You beat me to it. That's what I was going to ask. So yes. What is pre-seed? And I know people just throw these terminologies, so I really want to break it down. But pre-seed is when you don't have your MVP, which I'll explain in a minute. You don't have your product or your app or whatever you're building, but you have the idea. Your company is legally ready to go, which means that you have your LLC, your S incorporations, all your legal documents to say to the IRS, like, hey, I have this idea, but I have more than just idea. I have the paperwork that I can start doing what I want to do. Um, so the pre-seed is where you're going to find your angels, your uh, your family and friends around, your bootstrapping it yourself, which means that you're kind of paying for it all by yourself as a bootstrap. It's where you're you're pulling yourself up. Um, and then your seed round is when you go back to those people and say, hey, I've taken your money. This is what I've done with it. And now I'm looking for more 
money so we can do X, Y, and Z. And then with that, it comes into the terminology of what kind of documents do you need? And I really want to t- dive into those specifically in another episode. But those are your, your safes, your, uh, your pre-money valuation is going to help pay a lot into what you're doing. And that is another terminology that I really want to focus on. So those will be in the next episode. But your angel investors are someone that you want early on. There's someone that you want fully committed and on board to your pre-seed and seed round. I love it. And you you mentioned in there MVP, and you know I'm going to have to leap in on that and say, can we explain that a little bit more for people that haven't ever heard that term? Yes, it is your minimum value uh, valuable product. Your MVP is the version of product that is testable for customers or consumers. So let's say you're building an app. Your your app would be your MVP. It would be what you have the minimum of as a product, as a value, something that you can give your customers so you can start doing your testing and gather your data. So then you can present it to other investors and say, hey, we've done our app. It's been running for over six months and we've had 10 customers over the course of their subscription being $20. So then you can break down the financials by having your MVP ready and up and showing people that. Not only do I have the idea, my company is lined up, but I'm doing it. Right now I have it and I'm doing it. And that's what a lot of companies want to see later on the road is the breakdown of financials in your MVP. I love it. So so a MVP would mean that actually your your full idea might not be ready yet, might take too long, but as long as you could get the majority of the idea ready to a physical thing that people can test and play with and get data with it's about saying take that to market first don't wait for the all singing all dancing bells and whistles on something that allows them allows you to have the confidence and your investors to have the confidence that the idea is worth investing in and and the idea worth pursuing right which is why mvp means minimum viable product so it's the minimum. It's not your end all be all. It's not something that you can't pivot or change later on. It's just something that you can get out there to show that you're doing it. And this is why you're going to succeed. I love it. Which is, which I just think that's really helpful because I think often people wait until it's perfect, don't they? And in, in this world, that's not what they're looking for. They're looking for progress and, right. and, and, and moving those parts forward. So. Yeah. If I'm now, so I'm pre-seed, I've got my MVP. Um, what might be the next route of terminology that I'm going to start to come thread, threading my way? Uh, I would say the next one is your pitch deck. Yeah. A pitch deck is a couple slides, PowerPoint slides on what the problem is why you're the solution, what your solution is, and your financials, your projected financials. Obviously, as a pre-seed or seed, you don't have a lot of statistics to go off of, so they're projections. They're, if we can do this, we can start scaling monthly, increasing our, I'm going to go back to the app example, increasing our subscribers and going from there. So your pitch deck is another word that people want to hear. And it's been funny because during COVID or pre-COVID, it took months for people to get their pitch deck. You had to go to them. You had to sit for a meeting and then go from there. But now I get a LinkedIn message and two minutes later, I have their pitch deck. 
and I'm able to start my due diligence process faster and quicker. And it's just, it's expedited due to COVID. So a pitch deck is something that a lot of times is handed in the introduction between the founder and the investor. Okay. And as, as I understand it, the pitch deck really is about bringing to life the story. It's about the, what it is you're doing, why it is you're doing it, what it is you're looking for, what you're going to do with that, mm-hmm. what they're going to get in return. Exactly. Would that be a, that be a fair, simplistic summary of kind yeah. of what, what's in that pitch deck? Yes, it is. It is a story behind the what you're doing and the how you're doing it and why you're doing it. A lot of times when I hear a pitch deck and I hear the passion or the story behind why they created this company, then that shows, OK, yeah, they they have the clout they're a, They're an expert in their field, and but they also have the drive. They have the I'm doing this to change, to revolutionize this problem that is going on. So the pitch text just shows, sometimes it can be done in three minutes, sometimes it can be done in 20, but it just shows the passion, the project, the financials, as well as the, the bones, bones of a company. I love it. And, and we, we love a story, don't we, as human beings, we, we learn and we teach in stories. So I think the more we can get into that, um, when we're, we're thinking through how we are sharing our business, and the easier it can be, can't it? Then what we're really trying to do is help somebody who doesn't know us or anything about us get to know, like, and trust us to be able to then um, do the investment. Exactly. I think in the first 10 minutes of an, a blind introduction to someone, if they just dive right into their their product or their company, it doesn't seem as personable as the people that I say, oh, hi, how are you? And they dive more into who they are rather than what they're doing. I think that is a huge factor that plays into, at least me as a VC, that company like, oh, okay, yeah, they had a good idea, but I didn't really see the passion behind their eyes. But it was, oh, this person is passionate and now I have a personal connection to them and I want to invest because of how invested they are in their company. So I think- not only should you bring your pitch deck during your introduction, but you need to bring your passion as well. I love that. That's such great advice because I think we do. You know, one of the things I always used to say is I would much rather um, recruit for willingness and teach skill than recruit for skill and teach willingness because there's no, there's no, there's nothing you can get apart from people's passion. And if they're passionate about it and they're driven then they're going to go the extra mile to get whatever is needed to see it through, isn't it? And that's kind of what you're backing, isn't it? As the investor, you're backing not only the idea, but the person that has the ability to make that idea happen because they've got the drive and they've got the passion to overcome the obstacles because it's no easy route, is it? Setting up your own business and going and seeking investment, it is going to have challenges along the way. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of people, if someone's passionate, let's give an example, and then they exit a company and then they later on try to create another company. People are not only going to invest in that person because they've done it before, but because of how passionate they are, because of how determined they were and how successful they can show they can be. So I I think bringing the passion and bringing your story to your company plays a lot in the meetings that at least I do when you're presenting your pitch deck. 
I love that. In fact, it reminds me of, of something that Stephen Bartlett said uh, recently. So he's on our um, Dragon's Den here in the UK. And he was saying that actually never underestimate what you're doing and the impact it's going to have, because actually he's got a lady who worked for him. He said he has no idea the reason. One of the reasons that she's just been promoted was because a year ago when one of her colleagues was was unwell, she actually went out and got him some food and, water and a drink and made sure he was okay and got him sorted and then carried on with, with her work. He said, and it was that care, was that attention to the people that were around her and her desire to ensure that everybody had got what they needed. He said, which shows in all of her work and is one of the reasons why she was promoted. He said, because it was the acts, not necessarily that she did within work, but just who she was and how she showed up in the world that helped create the picture. And he'd got numerous stories like that, and I've heard so many of them, but it just really resonated with what you were saying. And I think we've all seen as well, haven't we, on things like Dragon's Den, where people have gone, well, I'll invest in you. I'm not 100% certain in this idea, but as part of their pitch, they've shared that they've got five or six other ideas that they're working on. They're like, well, I'll invest in you, the person, rather than per se, that product that you've come up to. So I think bringing your whole self to it has got to be vital as well, has it? Right. Not only to other people looking in on your company, but to yourself, to your mental health, to your self-well-being. If you're not passionate day in, day out about what you're doing, then how are you going to succeed five years down the road or tomorrow when it gets hard? So I think don't just show it to other people, believe it in yourself. I think that is a, a huge piece that I've learned growing up and in a world where it's it's changing and people are changing and the world's changing, obviously. And if you don't have passion for yourself, then it's not going to, to pour over into what you're doing. I love that. Such great advice because we do. And, and such great advice about the self-care. We have to sometimes um, take those moments, don't we, to remind ourselves of how far we've come as much as we do to berate ourselves for how far we've got to go. Because if we don't get that in balance, all we actually do is, is, feel hopeless and that's never going to help us to to build the dream to build what we're trying to achieve right yeah and the self-care it, it's detrimental to how you how you do in business and how you do it in life and sometimes when you're trying to do it and you're sitting there and you're putting all the effort in but you're just you're running gears at this point going nowhere it's it's hard it's hard to find out the source of why it's not working and sometimes it can be as simple as terminology, which is what this episode is about. It's about, and the next one, it's going to be about breaking down that terminology so you have the tools to, to fix the boat that you're in, to keep sailing and to continue on. So if you're sitting there and you're, all these investors are like, oh, you need a pitch deck. Well, what's exactly in a pitch deck? You know, what exactly do you want to see? What do you want to hear? And let's break that down in another episode, but I'm going to briefly touch on it, is you need to be able to show investors where your money is coming from, how you're going to get your money. It's all, unfortunately, it's all about the money when people want to see what their money can do for you. So a lot of the terms you hear is ARR, which is what I said in the very beginning, is annual reoccurring revenue. It's how much yearly you can make on whatever metric you have. So if you have the app, it's if we have X, Y, and Z subscribers, 10 subscribers at a cost of 20, 
then you do the math, you can break it down into MRR, which is monthly, just to show the investors how to, how you're going to generate revenue, how you're going to scale, how you're going to be able to do that. And another term that a lot of people do on their own when they hear the ARR and the MRR is your burn rate. What's your burn rate? And a lot of investors ask that and the founders clamp up because it's how much can you go on without raising anything from here on out? It's if you got cut off and you only have what you have now, how much can you last? Yeah. What's your burn rate? So that can be calculated through your ARR and your MRR. And it just tells you, okay, if we got cut off right now and we didn't raise anything, we would have up to 18 months. 18 to 24 months is the sweet spot that investors want to hear from. It's okay. So if they didn't do anything, they'd be good. They'd be set. They would be able to do payroll. They'd be able to keep their update uh, app. I'm going to go back to the app because it's right now the our go-to go company. Um, they can keep the app running. They can keep their subscribers. And that's their burn rate is what can they do if they were cut off and only had what they have now. So that is your revenue minus your expenses is your burn rate. So how much are you doing? So if your app's making $20,000, but you have $10,000 in payroll, your burn rate is about $10,000 and you wouldn't be able to hold it for more than six months. So it's your revenue minus expenses is your burn rate. And a lot of times that's in your pitch deck is, hey, I can hold our own for 18 months. We're good to go. And then um, from there, they may ask other questions about your legal stuff, what your exit is. A lot of people want to know, okay, once you become what you want to be, what are you going to do? And a lot of times people are like, oh, well, we want to be bought by Google or we want to be bought you don't want to be bought. That that's a that's a transaction. You want to be acquired. You want people to want what you're doing, to want to be able to say, "Hey, I want to buy what you're doing, but I want to acquire you." So, a lot of times companies want to be acquired, which is fine, which is good because you can make, you know, a profit and you can make your investors happy and you've done what you wanted to do. A lot of times people want to IPO. They want to continue throughout the journey of their company and IPO and be able to sit there and say, we, we made it. This is what we wanted to do. So an exit is just your end goal for your company in itself. So a lot of times people are, people will ask, what's your exit? What's your, what's your target? Once you become successful, what do you want to do? What's the after effect? And in college, it was always, oh, what do you want to do after college? That's an exit. Yeah. That's the question that people are going to be asked. I love it because they're, they're really wanting to see how committed and how how bought in and how well planned and well thought out it is. You mentioned within that, though, an IPO. So what's an IPO for anybody who doesn't know? So an IPO is when you take your company public. It's when a, a lot of, now that the investing doors and the starting a company has been so it's been increased during COVID because people have these ideas and they don't want to go back to their nine to five job and they want to revolutionize a specific problem. So it's been increasing in a lot of, we can see almost on a daily or weekly basis, a company IPO. And it's when they take their company, that's a public company. This means that their money has been from VCs, which is a venture capital firm, which is what River is. It's, it's an entity of other people's money. 
an angel investor, which we just talked about, is someone who is accredited and knows what they're doing and is an expert in their field. And they take all their their company and what they've done, and then they open it up to the public to trade in stocks. It usually goes to the stock market and you can start trading and getting a piece of the company yourself. So that is an IPO. Fabulous. And so you've talked about venture capitalists and angel investors. When we hear people bandying around private equity, is private equity just those two, basically? There's the fact that it's coming from other people or is private equity something different? So with that, there are many different ways that a startup can get funds. Mm-hmm. There are grants out there. There are are projects out there. There's local projects. There's state financials that you can help tap into. There are grants and funds and different ways that you can get your capital fund. So as well as the angel and the VC firm. Okay, perfect. So, I mean, you can see why it's such a complex piece because we haven't even touched on a small percentage of the um, vocabulary that is going to be part of people's everyday lives when they touch on this and yet we're already almost out of time aren't we in being able to to bring it to life but what's been great is as you've unpacked it you've really been able to help us understand what we need to do and why they all fit in with each other which helps when we kind of take those parts out I think you've given some really sage advice as well around making sure that you know your numbers um so you know you know what your um annual revenue rate is you know what your monthly revenue rate is you know what your burn rate is i think sometimes as well we use such scary terms don't we sometimes it's burn rate and you automatically panic don't you but it makes such sense once it's explained to you that it's like how long can you survive if the money stopped tomorrow um so much better but i think knowing the numbers and bringing yourself to to the the pitch deck and believing in yourself and having that belief that you can get through this and you can achieve your goals and that you can learn as you go. And actually that's a huge part, isn't it, around why you're doing this to help people learn as they go. Exactly. That is why Navigating the Waters has been created is to to break the threshold of not being able to answer the question or ask the question or know what to ask. Because yeah. a lot of times you don't even know where to begin to know what to ask. So breaking down that and just demystifying it is being being invested in yourself. Navigating the waters is not only going to show you how to do it, but also to increase your courage and your gumption to invest in yourself. Because if you're listening to this, you've already invested. You're already like, yes, I want to learn. I want it broken down because no one's done this before. It, it's always closed doors or just they just throw the term at you and you're just supposed to know what it means. And instead of going home and Googling it, you have accredited source to ask the questions, to subscribe and, and ask them and say, hey, would you mind doing a podcast on a mock interview? And I would love to do that. I would love feedback. And so if you're listening to this and you have any specific questions, please feel free to subscribe and, and ask them below. I would love to help anybody who has even the simple question, even it may not be simple, but it, it obviously is all tied together. So 
asking that one question may generate someone else to ask another question and just pay it forward. So I would love to continue having this. And next week we're going to have, or next podcast, we're going to have a guest who is in the muck of it. She's trying to create something and she's trying to do it. And we're going to help break down the terminology so other people can understand it. Because there is a lot, like you said, we just scraped the surface of it and we're already we're already 20 minutes at in and it's crazy. It's crazy because I could write a whole book about this. I was going to say we, we could chat all day because there's so much. But I think taking it in these like you know, 20 minute, half hour sections and really delving into it hopefully makes it digestible for people and bound to give them further questions. So I love that actually, you know, like you say, get in touch. Let us know what, what questions you've got. What would you really like, um, Stephanie, to delve into and unpack so that we can start to break down. I mean, we've not even touched on terms like escrow and that that get thrown around, but I know we'll get to those. Um, so I loved it. I've learned so much again today. I'm looking forward to next time. For everybody listening, we hope you've enjoyed it too. Please do subscribe, share with us what you'd like to hear more. The other huge part around navigating the waters is creating a community so that people have got that support where there's no such thing as a dim question because actually it's all just about sharing that knowledge and passing it forward. So the more you'll get out, the more you get involved with this, the more you'll get out of it because we want to be able to answer your questions. But to do that, you need to ask them. Exactly. Ask them. And if you are an expert in in finances or something specific and you want to be on here, tell me, let me know. I would love to have you. I would love to answer the questions. I would Honestly, giving back and giving to people is what has driven me throughout the course of building River VC. So please subscribe, follow, and ask your questions because like you said, there is no dim question. I love it. Stephanie, it's been a joy as always. Until next time. Take yes. care. Until next time. Thank you so much.